Thank you, Lord. And I just want to jump right into what the Lord's had us in. The Lord's been speaking to us from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And it says, Matthew chapter 28, right there at the very end, he's having his last moment with his disciples. He's having his last, uh, uh, just this special experience with them. He's just about to ascend. And it says in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Everybody say, Jesus said, go. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And verse 20, teach these new disciples, which means there is more than 12 which means it doesn't end with the 12. Come on, everybody say it didn't end with the 12. Everybody, let's just raise our hands. I'm a, (laughs) that's, that's right. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple. Yes, amen. We are disciples of Jesus. We are disciples. He told the disciples, go and make more of yourself. I have poured my life into you. And I want you to go and pour. I don't want you to pour you into them. I want not because you've been completely emptied of you. If you spend time with Jesus, if you have spent three and a half years of night and day, you have watched him not only do the miracles, but he actually gave you the authority and he put the miracles in through your own hands. There is no more of you left. And he said to go and make more of me in this world. You are representing me. You are ambassadors, the Bible says. You are an ambassador, as I've been saying these last weeks, is a picture of the nation they are representing. If that ambassador is doing the job the way they should be, he should, he or she should look like the nation that they're representing. We should look like the kingdom of God. We should represent him in everything that he is, not some of us and some of him. The world doesn't need our personalities, although the Lord gave us each a personality, didn't he? He gave us each a particular region. He gave us each different families, gave us each different jobs. So the Lord is not opposed to that, those parts of us. Uh, that is us. But The world doesn't need those. He needs Jesus to come through. You can be funny. You can be kind. You can be mean. Whatever your personality is, if Jesus, you can't be mean. You know what I mean. But if Jesus is coming through it, then that's the job that he's looking for. That's the disciple he's looking for. Amen. And so, just quickly, disciples, we've been saying that uh, in the last two weeks that we cannot be superficial followers. Two weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 6. There were superficial followers. There were followers of Jesus. In fact, it even calls them disciples in John 6.6. It says that the disciples, many of them turned and followed him no more. There was a superficial following of Jesus. There was a crowd, in fact, even a revival. They forgot to eat for three days. That's a revival. I've never forgotten to eat. I have chosen not to, and we're in our fast these 21 days, and I've never forgotten, and I've never just stayed in one moment, stayed on one hillside with Jesus for three days. I pray that maybe we will one day. Maybe the Lord is calling us deeper. Amen. But these, this revival, though, uh, it got down to the heart. God gets down to the heart, though. He loves touching you. He loves giving you um, his stuff. He loves showering his glory and his presence and his grace and his mercy on you, but it is for a purpose. He's trying to get to your heart. He gives freely. Jesus gave his own body on the cross freely. Whether you choose him or not, he already gave his body. It's done. It's finished. It's complete. It's done. He's already done it and he did it. It says, the Bible says that Jesus loved us while we were still sinners. That's past tense. He doesn't expect you to love him for him to love you. And I actually want to talk about that. That's the agape love of God. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that doesn't require any love back. 
But what happens is, is Jesus, when he has an encounter with you, gets down to that place in your heart and says, okay, let's deal with some things. And there was a superficial following that couldn't go any further. So real disciples are those, like Peter says, where would we go? In the very next verses, right? Peter says to him, where would we go? Jesus says, are you going to leave also? <laughs> he gives you that opportunity. Are you going to leave? He's asking us the same thing. Are you going to leave just because you're offended? I mean, Peter didn't, let's just be honest, he didn't understand either. He didn't understand yet what it meant to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He didn't understand either because we can see that later on in the story. They didn't understand. They didn't know what Jesus was really fully doing. They saw that, okay, this is the son of God, but I don't fully understand the story yet. But he stayed. Come on, we have to stay. We got to stick with Jesus, especially, not even when, but especially when you don't understand, when it doesn't make sense, stay with him. And then last week, we talked about disciples are obedient. He told them to go and make disciples that obey all the commands. There's a following Jesus, and then when you follow him, there's going to be a point where it crosses over to, okay, I've been following you, but now I'm asking obedience of you. And it's, it is a condition that is required. Everybody say required. It's a required condition of a disciple's obedience. It's not optional. <laughs> There is no optional obedience. In fact, Jesus, the Son of God, even in all of his glory and, and being at the right hand of the Father, as a human on this earth, he walked in obedience. In fact, he told us that I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Spirit tells me to say, period. So he was in obedience himself. He's only asking us to obey as he obeyed. And for this week, what I'd like to talk about for these next minutes is, as we're not superficial, we're obedient, and disciples produce fruit. A disciple produces fruit. And it's so important that we lay these foundations, though, week by week, and, and whenever we're studying his word, and we see something that the Holy Spirit's telling us, see an idea and a picture that the Holy Spirit's trying to get in our hearts that we understand the context. Many times we, we hear verses and they are out of context. Everybody say out of context. <laughs> and I didn't mean to tangent, but this is, uh, wow. There was, a, I, there was this, this, this uh, teaching growing up. Everybody heard 30, 60, 100 fold? All right, I'm going to talk about it today a little bit because, see, we were taught that that was about you sowing your seed in the offering box and how much you would get back. But it's funny because now as an adult, when I read the scriptures, I don't see anything about an offering. It says that God's word is planted in our hearts and how well we receive it in our hearts is the, what we're going to get out of it. Wow, it's so quiet in here. Everybody's like, wow, wait a second, you're, you're rocking my world. I, of course I know that teaching. It's not the word though. That's not God's word. It's not his word. We need to believe his word and his word is his word. Wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We must be disciples that produce fruit. It must be fruit that comes out of us. And I just want to look. It's no secret. And a couple of things I've already mentioned are from a particular chunk of scriptures. And it is the, books, the book of John from chapter 13 to chapter 17. It's no secret that it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite chunk of the entire Bible. And the reason I love it so much is this. The Bible says, it says in John it says in chapter 11, just before this chunk of scripture, it says that in verse 53, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. So verse 54, as a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry. So actually, as of John chapter 11, his public ministry is over. Which means what? It means that we're about to hear after this is a private ministry. And I love it so much because I'm a disciple. We're disciples. And Jesus told the people many things. In fact, the disciples heard what Jesus was saying, and then they go to Jesus. You speak to them in parables. 
And they didn't understand why Jesus did that. He said, yeah, but let me tell you behind the scenes. Let me tell you this though, that yeah, I'm speaking in parables, but you, to you, is the mysteries of God. To you are the secrets of God. And it's because you're a disciple. And then uh, Jesus, he's um, traveling into Jerusalem in this transition into chapter 12 to spend some time with his disciples before his crucifixion. And it says in verse 36 that Jesus went away and was hidden from them. He was hidden from the world from this point on until his crucifixion. These next chapters from 13 through 17 is a private, just with the disciples' time. So I love these scriptures so much because this is like Jesus is telling the world, he's been doing things, he's been doing miracles, he's been reaching, he's been getting the seekers. Come on, did you know that there are seekers? There are seekers and God is not opposed to them. Did you know that God loves the seeker just as much as he loves the disciple? He loves the seeker just as much as he loves a disciple and it's a choice for a seeker to become a disciple. And Jesus gave them that choice when he walked on the earth and then here we have a disciple time. And because we're mature believers, we've been walking with Jesus. We want to know Jesus. We want to be with him intimately. He takes them privately and begins to pour out his heart to them, begins to give them his heart. And for two reasons. One, he was uh, just loving them. I mean, just loving them because he loved them. Jesus, you know, love doesn't necessarily have to have a purpose, Love is just, God's love is just God's love. There's, no, there's not necessarily a motive. Let me teach you so then you can teach. There is that as well. But really, Jesus was just spending some time with his disciples. He loved them so much. And he gets to spend this very special time here. And it says, it says in John chapter 14, I looked at last week, that's where he starts to tell them that the Holy Spirit, he's just starting to tell them to, to obey See, he, he went out and, and told the people about his glory. He told the people about God's glory. He was referring to that God uh, loved them. Uh, he was showing them God's hand. He was showing them God's presence in, in many different ways. God did all different types of miracles through Jesus on this earth. And then he takes the disciples, though, and he personally tells them in John 14 to love him. John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you obey my commandments. And then he says, and I will ask, verse 16, and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you, or the helper, right? It's the Holy Spirit that he's talking about the promise. So he just starts to uh, unfold what um, his bigger purpose is. They still don't understand. We understand as believers because we can see the whole picture. But Jesus is just starting to expound on them that there is more that I'm telling and I'm doing freely and they don't have to follow me. I've been offering it to them, but you have decided to follow me. And if you want to follow me, then this is how it's going to be. Everybody, come on, let's get that. If you want to follow me, I love you, but this is how it is. There's an obedience that I'm requiring of you and I'm not going to make you do it on your own. You cannot, you cannot obey God on your own. We tried that. That was the law. We tried that. We tried obeying on our own. It doesn't work. But he said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit, the helper. He helps us, Romans 8, in our weaknesses. He helps us and so on. And I, that's a whole nother series of sermons, not one sermon. And he goes on into ch in chapter 14 here, just telling, uh, the, he says in verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. But then he says, and because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to them. And this is just amazing. God is so good to us. He loves us so much. And he loves the sinner and the saint <laughs> equally. But to those that will crawl into his arms like a child, to those that will go into the closed doors. The whole world was invited here, really. He, he, did, he chose 12, but really many, many more could have been in this group. Many more. Many more. 
He's invited you and he's invited this whole world into this intimate place with him. And I can't even express it. Hopefully, I'm, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of it, but I'm trying to express just his love here for them. But it says in John chapter 15, and this is probably my favorite chapter of the whole Bible. So of that chunk of scripture, you get to John chapter 15. This is my favorite. This is just, it's unbelievable because he says to the people, and I have to apologize if you, if you heard John chapter 15 out of me recently, the way my sermons are is I have a particular set of notes, but sometimes unless I were to go back and listen to the podcast, I don't know what I said when I said it. So I knew that I said John chapter 15 sometime recently, but sometimes it's six months, a year and a half, and I just can't remember. So if you've heard me, so he talked about that recently, then you're going to hear it again because I can't remember when it was. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit. He said, verse 1, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He said, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. It's so straight up. This is talking to the disciple. This is not the message to the world. This is to the people that have chosen to walk with him. And that's why I brought you through 11, 12, 13, and chapter 14 to get here, here to 15. These are to the disciples. We're disciples, aren't we? He's not talking about the world here. The disciples don't need to hear about the world. The world's been hearing his sermons. This is to the disciples. These are to those that have decided to follow. And he said that God cuts off, everybody say he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And it sounds harsh. If we left it here at verse 2, see, that's why you can't pick and choose scriptures. You can't just pick them out. You have to look at the whole context. And I, I, hopefully I can expound on this and create the context. But before I even get to that, it sounds harsh to say that he would just cut off what doesn't produce fruit. But it's a very simple gospel. And it's hopefully bringing home these disciple sermons to today, what it means to walk with Jesus, what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus. You do not have to try to produce fruit. You don't have to try. You can't, in fact, make fruit grow from you. <laughs> There's actually nothing you can do to make it grow. You can inhibit it from growing. That's really what it is. Once the seed, which is the word of God, and Jesus is the word made flesh, and I have all these verses in here, so if I don't get to the verse, I'm saying it now. Jesus is spending time with him, the word made flesh. Jesus in the flesh is not here, so where is Jesus today? In his word, <laughs> which is in your heart, right? If he's in your heart, then the word is in your heart which means I'm reading the word to remind my mind of what my heart already knows. Because <laughs> your mind forgets and your mind wants to do what it wants to do, right? The warring of the soul and the flesh. I mean, the, 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 it is the soul and the flesh <laughs> and the spirit. Your flesh and your spirit are warring because your mind wants to do what it wants to do. The spirit wants to follow God if you've let the Holy Spirit in to start changing and dictating. I mean, as soon as you're born, the Holy Spirit's knocking on your door. He's trying to get you to receive him. And then when we receive him, he goes to work. God goes to work immediately in you. Immediately, Jesus starts working in you. And I said that last week. I've talked to people that were uh, believers and then they've kind of, you know, come and gone. And I've asked him a simple question. You cannot lie to me. You, have, you, it's, you can't lie. And I'm going to say it again if you didn't hear it last week or you hear it again this week that every single one of them that I've asked this very direct question, they can't deny it. I said, as soon as you left that conversation where someone prayed with you or that church where you accepted Christ, as soon as you left, you went to go do something wrong or say something wrong and you felt a nudge inside. And they can't deny it. 
just stops them right in their tracks. Whether they want to believe or not is, is another thing, but they can't deny that. The Holy Spirit starts working immediately. He cuts off what's not bearing fruit because if it's not bearing fruit, it's not connected to him. It's such a simple gospel. If you are connected to Christ, if you are in Christ, if you are in him and his word is in you, and it, let's just let the word preach for itself instead of me. Verse three, you have already been pruned and purified or you are clean, right? Depending on the translation. I love that it says pruned because that's really what he's talking about here. By the message I have given you. He said, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you by my word. My word is clean, is cleansed you. My word, we can bring that up in the New King James. It says, my word. He's talking about his, what his word has done. And, and he said, you are clean. And you, I, I've already cut you down to where I want you to be. You're not a wild vine, a wild offshoot from me. But you are tame. I brought you in. Uh, you are mine. You're not just out there doing your thing. And as soon as we get out there doing our thing, what does he do? Gets the loppers back out. And I do remember saying that, but let's just say that again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So it's the word that does it. Jesus spent time with them. We spend time with his word. We spend time with Jesus in his word. And we do it by being with other believers that have his word, that are speaking his word. If you're hanging around believers that are speaking their words or words from television or words from philosophy and theologies, then that's not the believer that God is telling you to hang around except for you to influence them, not them being influencing you. It's his word that cleanses us, purifies us. And he said, he said, remain in me, and you may know it as abide in me. And abide means to remain. It means to stay. It means to live. This is where I live. This is where I, I'm going to camp out. I'm parking here. I'm not going to be in the vine and out of the vine, in the vine and out of the vine, in the vine and out of the vine. I'm in. Come on, everybody say, I'm in. I'm in. You're in and you stay in. He said, remain in me. And I will remain in you, or I will abide in you. You abide in me, and I will abide in you. For a branch, everybody say, I'm a branch. And I cannot, I cannot, everybody will say it out loud, I cannot. It is impossible for you to produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. It is only in Christ and only through Christ. There are lots of people in this world that do lots of good things, humanitarian things. And the Bible calls those things chaff. The Bible calls that a kingdom of wood, hay, and stubble. He said, but I want you to build upon the foundation of Christ with gold and silver and precious stones. Because those works will be tried with fire. And if it's just for works, if it's just stuff, it's just doing things, and this is, the, this is the thing about the gospel is really everything in the entire Bible is fine lines. I don't want to go searching for the lines, but there are fine lines in the entire gospel. There's that place where I could look like a believer and not be a believer. I could be doing the workings of a believer and not be a believer and I might not be doing the workings you'd expect, but might be a believer that's still being processed. Maybe there's no fruit yet just because I'm still growing. And maybe the fruit that looks so amazing to us in the flesh, to our eyes, the natural flesh, maybe that fruit is not real. Maybe eventually we're going to find out that it was sour and rotten. Is it making any sense today? Are we all here? <laughs> so Jesus tells us, he tells us in verse 5 exactly what he's talking about. He said, I am the vine and you, that is us, we are his branches. I'm the vine and we are 
his branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit and much of it. Period. What's it say? If we're in him and he is in us, those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. It is fact. There is no trying. <laughs> if you are struggling to get the fruit of the Spirit out of you, you need to get back into the vine. That's it. It is such a simple gospel. I mean, the, I carry on and I apologize for that. I don't try to talk long. I really don't. But honestly, in my heart, I can think wise. I feel like Paul when he was like, you know, I can talk to the wise like the wise, and I can talk to the simple like the simple. But he's like, but you know what I decided? I'm just going to throw it all aside, and I just want the simplicity of Jesus Christ. I just want the gospel of Jesus. We could bring all the children in here, and I could preach to them too at the same exact time because it's the same exact message. It doesn't matter how old we get and how mature we get. It's the same exact message simple Sunday school message. I don't have fruit coming out of my life because I'm not in the vine right now. That's simple. Fruit does not have to try to grow. We plant a seed. What does the seed produce? Period. The only reason it doesn't produce fruit is if for some reason we have disconnected it right? Or we have refused to water it and care for it, prune it, which if you are in him, he will not neglect those responsibilities. And you know that as a mature believer, that God is very careful if you will stay in him to keep cutting you and grooming you and grooming you, and he will water you, he will take care of you. And who knows that? Who has experienced God taking care of you in the vine? In fact, you don't even think about the fruit. You just are. Everybody say, I am. That's not blasphemy. That's because I am is in you. You just now, God was just stating, I am, and now we're in him. I am. I'm just living in him. I'm not even trying. I'm... Not only is it automatic, I'm not even thinking about it. It's just coming. It's just growing. I am spending time with Jesus. I'm just living in him. I'm staying in him, and he's doing something through me. It says, yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. Let's not waste our time, believers. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to be spinning my wheels just doing good things and spinning my wheels feeling satisfied in fleshly things. He says another harsh verse to us, and this is to the disciples. Everybody say, This is the message to the church, <laughs> to the disciples. Right? This is not a public message. This is a private message. This is to those that he loved. He loved them so much that Jesus, in these moments, he he's, takes off his outer garment and he, his own, with his own clothes, gets down on his hands and knees, gets a basin of water, and washes. Jesus, the Son of God, washes. And these exact verses here, right in this exact time, and then he has communion with them, which we're going to do today. He has this very intimate time. That's how much he loved them. He loved them and was there for them and washed their dirty feet. They didn't wear socks and shoes. They wore sandals. It wasn't just, let me just do a little ceremony. This was some work to these feet. <laughs> Everybody in here is cringing. All the germaphobes can say an Amen. That's how much he loved them. And then he says to them in verse 6, he said to the same exact disciples, he just washed their feet. He said, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. 
if you don't remain in me, I'm going to throw you away, which he's not worried about because they do remain, don't they? One of them doesn't by choice. One of them doesn't. He was there with the 12, and then the one leaves, doesn't he, to go off and do Satan's work, put him on the cross. But he had the same opportunity, and he said, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. We don't have to fear hell. We don't have to fear punishment. We don't have to fear God. If our fear for God is that we respect him, we love him, we want to walk with him, that type of fear, then we, there is no fear. I'm not afraid of him because I have a healthy fear of who he is. We're going to stay in him and we're not going to be gathered to be burned because we're not leaving his side. He said, verse 7, but if you remain in me and my See, many times we're looking for the fruit, and it's because his word. I know immediately. I know immediately when flesh starts coming out of me, I need to get back into his word. It's very easy. This is a children's message. And Jesus said, if you don't come to me like a child, you cannot come to me. You have to come to me like children. Simple. This is simple. One times one equals two, right? <laughs> no, it does not. It does not. That's what you get spending endless hours up late at night and up early to get ready for a Sunday morning. You get that. Dumb things coming out of my mouth. Hopefully you had enough of the other, of the Holy Spirit that you guys can overlook that and just laugh at that. But it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. It will be done for you. In James, it says, you're warring and you're fighting. And... You're not getting because it's a flesh thing. And then he says to them, he says, and then when you finally, you don't have it because you're not asking God for it. But then even when you ask God, you don't have what you're asking for because your motives are all wrong. He tells us here that if we remain in him, do we have any doubt that when Jesus asked God for something, that it was less than godly? You can ask for anything because what you're asking for is his heart. Because you have his heart in you. You're not asking for you to spend on you because you have gone away and now Jesus is living. Whatever Jesus asks for through you will be granted. Period. Exclamation point. And finally to this, this sums up this, for this chunk of John 15, he says, in verse 8, when you produce much fruit, what's that say? You are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. Disciples must produce fruit. We are not islands to ourselves. We are not, if that was it, then we would be saved and then just go right to heaven. Why do we have to stay here after we get saved? Because Jesus wants to live out through his body on the earth. That's us. Jesus wants the fruit his fruit. Come on, it's not your fruit. When the watermelon grows, the watermelon can't say, I'm here on my own. He's there, if he's a he, because the seed gave him life. The watermelon is only what he is because of the seed that was put in the ground. 
It is nothing on its own. It is completely and totally reliant on the seed that was planted. Your life, when the word is planted in your heart, your life will produce word. If Jesus and you have made an agreement and you have joined into his vine as one of his branches, then out of you cannot flow anything but Jesus. If anything is flowing out of you that's not Jesus, this is what God does. First, he tries to cut it off. Who's experienced God cut stuff off that's not him? What happens when you don't let him cut it off? It dies. That's it. It dies. Eventually, the vine says, starts withdrawing its presence from that part. Ultimately, not from you yet, but the vine says, I need to put the life where, it met, where it's going to produce fruit. And this is not me. This is a wild vine, and it will not let me. And it says that it tells us right here exactly what happens. It says that it withers. It says it's a useless branch and withers. Anyone who does not remain, in verse 6, in me, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. But if we let him prune us, we grow stronger. And what comes out of us is more offshoots of him. When God cuts something off your life, he is a true disciple that's following with him. And, and if those guys in John 6 had realized what Jesus was saying, that let me just stick with them. I don't understand it, but let me stick with them like Peter and the other disciples do. They would have gotten, if that's the right way to say that, received, gotten, I don't know, received the blessings that the disciples received. Anything he cuts off from you is not to harm you, but to bless you, to help you, to grow you, and out of his love. God doesn't do anything outside of his love. Whatever he does is because of his love. That is his nature. God is love. Are we okay? Disciples produce fruit. Disciples do. What is that fruit? It's basically doing what Jesus did. The fruit from Jesus was loving people. I mean, that's it, really, just loving people. And out of his love for people, it went all the way to the cross. But it was, yes, of course, they said, Jesus, do you have time for me? I'm going to paraphrase. Do you have time for me? Of course I have time for you. If you're willing. The Lord's like, of course I'm willing. Of course I'm willing. His love was so great for us, it went all the way to the cross. And if we are reflections of Jesus, then our doing must take us all the way to our cross. That's the doing that the Lord's asking for. The fruit that he's asking for is the same exact. Come on, listen, let's just get this picture. It's not rocket science. Jesus is the vine. The branch coming out of the vine is 100% the DNA of the vine. There is no partial something else. Anything else he cuts off. Anything other than him he's going to cut off. It is all Jesus. Well, if we are his disciples, if we are branches from him, reflections of him, we represent his DNA, his personality, his life, his love, then our love must be like Jesus, which went all the way to the cross. A self-sacrificial love, not a self-fulfilling love. In fact, the Bible talks about different loves, it says in, in John 15, if you go a few more verses past, he says, 
and I had a lot, so I'm sorting through. Verse 9, I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey Jesus referring to himself. See, because he's divine, so of course us as the branches would represent and reflect him, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus is not asking you to do anything other than what he did. And he said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the quite similar and almost in the human, but not quite because you're not Christ kind of way. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. That's an amazing statement that he said, and it's so powerful. You know that Jesus loved Peter? Was Peter perfect? But Jesus looked at Peter differently, didn't he? The whole world saw Peter a little bit differently. They saw him as the fisherman. (laughs) Jesus saw Peter inside of Peter. He saw that if I cut a few things off of him, because he's going to let me too, that this guy, that in one moment, in one sermon, come on, Peter comes out of the upper room, he stays. Jesus in Matthew 28 tells us, he preaches to them to go and to do what I've done in you, make disciples, but he also tells them uh, to remain, to stay. And in the book of Acts, that's exactly what they're doing. They're staying. They stay put. The Holy Spirit comes in and completes the work that Jesus promised in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And Peter comes out of that upper room, preaches one sermon, and 3,000 souls were saved from one sermon. Wait a second. Is this the same Peter who cut the guy's ear off? Is this Peter that denied you three times, Jesus? This is incredible, isn't it? What is the Lord asking of us? There's a love in him that is very different than the love of this world. It is a love that only God can possess and yet ask us to love the same way he did. And that's only possible Because if only God can possess this kind of love, then the only way for me to love like God is for me to let God in me and take over me and cut off everything else of me. So that all I do is love. And then out of my outworkings comes the doing. I do as Jesus did naturally. In fact, I've been hearing, I heard a preacher say recently, stop trying to sell people your fruit. Just let them pick it. Come on. If your fruit is really good, they're going to want it. Who has gone to the apple or just about to? Who's going to go to the apple orchards who has been to one? And you go searching for that really perfect apple, that perfect fruit. I had a friend who picked the perfect peach. He picked the perfect peach off a tree, and he was so excited about this perfect peach, and you understand my personality. I'm a silly guy when I'm not in the pulpit. And he kept putting it in my face and showing me how perfect this peach was, so I reached out and I bit it. (laughs) Hey, that's what you get. Stop putting that perfect peach in my face. Is it perfect? Because thank you. It was, it's, it, you're right, it is perfect. It's perfect in my mouth. <laughs> you don't have to try to sell people your fruit. They're going to want to pick it from you because it's so good. Jesus, there will be people that still won't want it. Jesus said, don't be surprised. In this same chunk of scripture here in John, he tells them also, I need to warn you about something. There's going to be some that don't want you. I'm going to warn you, some people are not going to want your fruit. 
But those that see that it is good, taste and see that the Lord is good, and they eat of it, will be blessed by it. Disciples give. They give as Jesus gave. They love like he loves, so they do, and they give, and they serve. If Jesus said to love as he loved us, then we must love like he did. Wow, this is, well, that, was, that was complicated to figure out. If he said to love like he did, then we love like he did. Which means Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. We must give Jesus every single part of us, we must get so close. The only reason the disciples changed the world is because they stayed in Jesus. They just stayed so close to him. They would not leave his side. They would not leave. They stayed with him. And then he tells them to remain again for the Holy Spirit, the completion of his work, which we walk in. We walk in the completion of the work that was done on the cross and the release of the Holy Spirit. And I don't have the time. You can go and read it yourself, but I will just, um, I'm sorry, I will read it, but I don't have time to preach it. It's very quickly, you can read the whole thing. It's in Galatians 5. Read the whole chapter. But just quickly, it says in verse 22 of Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Fact. Galatians 5.22 says, fact. Everybody say fact. And I'm going to wrap it up with this. Period. If the Holy Spirit is in you and he has to be in you, if you have waited on Jesus like he told you to do, because we're his disciples just like they were, then the Holy Spirit has come into your life and has desired to change you, and this is what he will bring out of you. Fact. Love. There's the first one. And I don't have time to preach on him, but he brings out joy, and it's a supernatural joy. It's not, I'm happy. It's the joy that Paul had when he's in prison and he's still praising God even being beaten. That type of joy. It's peace. Even when no one else is peaceful, you have peace. No matter what. And patience and kindness. Wow, patience. We should just preach for the rest of the year on that. Because we are the most impatient people. <laughs> we are so impatient. But patience with each other. We have to give. It's not talking about patience like, oh, you have patience at a stoplight. It's patience for each other's faults. Patience for each other not understanding what you're saying. Patience like Jesus had for Peter. Come on, are we getting this today? The Holy Spirit speaking. This is the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus loved Peter. Come on, this is the picture. Jesus loved his disciple. And then told us to love our disciples. Because remember, we're making disciples because we're believers. So this, you guys have all got this. This, this is what we're doing. We're making disciples. And what we're do how do we make them? Just like Jesus made a disciple. By loving people that don't understand what you're saying yet. <laughs> they don't understand who you are. They don't understand the price that you've paid preaching to them, the price you're going to pay. And you just keep giving them love and more love and more love and more love and you have patience on them and you have kindness for them and goodness for them and you have faithfulness towards them and so on. And it says, it says, verse 23, gentleness and self-control and there is no law against these things. God is amazing, isn't he? He's so good. He's so kind to us. He loves us so much. His grace and his mercy has been extended towards us. And I love that he loves us. He doesn't have to love us, but he loves us so much. Lord, I pray that all of our hearts, Lord, would be so unified that God, that this valley, it would begin to be a change, Lord, because there is a unity in that upper room. 
There is a unity. There is a oneness, Lord, with you and with your spirit and with each other. And Lord, a desire for the same call and purpose to see, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. Not our wills, not our kingdom, Lord, but your kingdom and your will be done. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a change in us in these 21 days. Lord, this is not religion. We are crying out to you, Lord, just as you asked us to do. You said, if you will cry out to me, I will respond. And I thank you, Lord, that that's exactly what we're doing, and we're going to see you work in us. I pray for change, Lord God, in this nation. And we pray together for change in this nation, Lord. And we pray for change in this valley. And we pray for change in our own homes, Lord, in our marriages, in our children, in our friends, in our extended family, Lord, in the unsaved that are all around us, Lord, would begin to see that change that we would truly walk as disciples of Jesus, Lord, and that those around us, Lord, we're not going to be offended by those that don't want it, Lord, because we're, we're not trying to force it on anybody, and we're not trying to make it look like it's something that's unattainable, but, Lord, we're just going to give what you have given us freely, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that many, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, I thank you now in advance for the unsaved, Lord, that are going to come and eat of that fruit. And I pray, Lord, for the broken. Lord, there's so many in this valley, so many, Lord, that are broken, Lord, by past churches and past pastors, Lord, and we just ask for your grace and mercy, Lord, both for the leaders and for those that were hurt, Lord. We ask for forgiveness and for grace and for mercy, Lord, for both sides in Jesus' name. And I pray that there would be a calling back, Lord God, that there would be a, Lord, a something in the hearts of the people in this valley that says, I need to get back into the house of God, to get back into his body, and I'm ready to be his disciple again. I'm ready to follow again. My season of hurt is over. My season of offense is over, and we just thank you, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for changes, Lord, in so many areas. Lord, I pray that you change this pulpit. Lord, you change this music team, Lord God. You would change this environment in here, Lord, more and more and more of your presence, Lord God. We want to be like you. We want to reflect you. We are light bearers. We carry the light of Jesus. And I pray that the basket would begin to come off in this 21 days, Lord. We would not cover this light any longer, but we would be that city on a hill lit for you. We just pray in the name of Jesus. All glory and honor to you, Jesus. I just want to give you thanks. Glorify you, Lord, and honor you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.